0: uh you know welcome to this week of the world's latest forum post ever um Brittany's here hello <laughs> Sorry. uh yeah so is dolores go fucking lay down you hoe go get out of here her name now Um, okay, so, yeah, we're gonna be talking about a lot of things today. Uh, this unit exhausts me already. Um, that's all I ever talk about is how tired I am, and I think people are tired tired of it. I don't know. Um, even
1: my students today were all like, like, many of them were like, I'm not getting enough sleep. Yeah. Or they talked about the specific number of hours they got. (laughs) Or they're like, I'm overwhelmed. I just, I don't know. I guess what I'm saying is there's something to be said for like validation that (laughs) you have a reason to be tired.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So we're going to be talking a lot about the, um, shit, what's it called? The One Piece Bearing Witness. Yeah.
1: Yes. Or the. I'm gonna
0: mangle this word. Visis vicissitudes just listening. <laughs> yeah. We're probably focusing mostly on that. Um Yeah. I so before we get into it, I have to acknowledge that I have a real reluctance to this piece and, and Brittany's trying to talk me around. Uh I'm slowly letting her a little bit. But I, I mean I think that this piece is really um interesting. And because of like how it intersects, it's like this piece is kind of like everything I've been talking about in one of my other courses. And so um, you know, in that course, which is it's biography with Craig. Um, and so we have just moved through a unit, and by just moved through I mean in the beginning of the semester, you know, we talk we talked about our frustrations with Freud. And um, and uh, a psychoanalytic approach. Um,
1: I, I have to say, I, I also think Freud is a huge. Yeah, like, I'm not like <laughs> I'm not defending psychoanalysis or Freud necessarily.
0: <laughs> no, but I just when I when I get into, I'm just like, what do you know? Like uh, it, this isn't like okay. So it's really this 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 piece gets at I think a lot of the questions of ethics that we've kind of been exploring in biography and it, so it's like ethical engagement with trauma is kind of what i'm thinking a lot about um with this with the reading this week and um anyway so i just if you hear frustration and you hear resistance like that's where it's coming from and so not that this approach or that this this person doesn't have any merit um I'm just I don't know that's where I, that's that that's where I'm at um so so yeah where do we want to go from start or go from there I guess um
1: yeah honestly I felt like a lot of the reading this week I wasn't it I didn't feel like I understood mm. a lot of it and maybe that's part of why I was like, oh, let's focus on this one. I the one know. that I
0: have, like, a solid understanding yeah. of. Or, or at least or I, had, I like. had
1: thoughts while I was reading. Yeah. And questions. And the others, I don't um... know. What
0: that must be like to have thoughts. <laughs>
1: thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> Head empty. No thoughts. <laughs> um, yeah, the others I, I felt hard, I've had a harder time attaching to, mm-hmm. and I didn't feel like I was grasping onto things. Um. So, for me, like, this piece, Lob, I think is the last name, The Bearing Witness, um, made me think a lot about um, storytelling and Mm -hmm. how telling a story involves a listener, and then, so then, following along that line, how important the listener is. Mm -hmm. Um, So, for me, a lot of this piece was about thinking about the ways to be an engaged and responsive listener, which is kind of one of the things that Liz and I keep talking about, or coming back around to mm-hmm. in different various ways in our podcast, is what doesn't, what does an embodied rhetoric, an ethical body embodied rhetoric look like? Mm-hmm. Um, how can it be both? How can it be ethical and responsive? Right? Not just mm-hmm. like, yeah, I'm shouting. Look at you picking out trends. Pick into- <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so and then so first of all I had me thinking a lot about um I guess just storytelling. Um of obviously thinking about Thomas King a lot here. Mm. Um how important it is to be able to tell your story if you want to, but then also I think this raises questions of well, ethics, like you're getting yeah. at like sometimes telling a traumatic story is not a relief, it's just a re traumatization. Yeah. Um so who gets to say who i mean i think that you and i just based on like the talking we're doing we both feel like the person who's telling the story is the the end stop for figuring out if it's yeah helpful for them mm-hmm. to tell the story or if that's just a re-traumatization of of them um it it, it could be both it could yeah. be re-traumatizing and only they could ultimately decide but it's also worth that but like not the listener not anyone mm-hmm. else Not even someone who's gone through the same trauma that they have, right? Um, But then the other thing, and this might seem a little beside the point, but I kind of wanted to ask you because I always like to ask you my teaching (laughs) teaching questions. Liz is my teaching guru. It made me think think about. I I think I was actually having these conversations when I was in the mentor program here. Mm. But we were, they were talking about how a lot of times in English 100, like, the first assignment that's given out is, like, the personal narrative. Mm. And how, like, a lot of students seem to want to go straight to, like, or seem to feel like they're being asked to go to, like, the most traumatic, like, experience they could have. Like, the mm-hmm. the, the, the trauma is what makes it serious or academic, maybe even? I'm not sure. Um But then, so the conversation was about basically like, is it, is it ethical for you to, for teachers, instructors to even ask students to like give them these deep personal, because like you're not, like an instructor isn't, isn't a, isn't a counselor. They're Mm -hmm. not a psychiatrist. They're not like, we're not qualified necessarily to deal with people's trauma. Mm -hmm. So like, what is the role of, of the listener? Um, and in this case it would be the teacher. Like what is the teacher's role? Like, Yeah it can feel really tricky to figure out. And I guess that might be part of what interested me about this piece, because it was kind of all about, like, what is your responsibility as a listener? Mm -hmm. And, like, what can you do for the person who's telling you your story? And I find that a very tricky conversation.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't... um, So, like, when thinking about how that works in the classroom, like... I, I mean, as much as I can, I let the students set that kind of tone for vulnerability or the boundaries for vulnerability. Um, but then I also am working to protect my own self. Um, right. So it's not like it's hard because there's not, and and that's what I think. Um, uh, Lob or lobe I'm not sure Dory <laughs> Her name is Dory, Dory. <laughs> Dory's like what What do you want Um, I think that she says this Somewhere in there right That it's That there's no like Or maybe John G said this In his Now everything just runs together At this point But somebody somewhere <laughs> Said That there's not like One end all be all Approach um, right? So there's not kind of like a prescriptive way that I can um, advise, um, you know, you or my peers or like anyone else in the classroom um, about how to create ethical um, ethical assignments that ask your students to engage in, in vulnerability. Um, but I think that you have to negotiate those boundaries kind of on a case by case. Yeah. Um, and so I just, it, but it's so necessary to me, um, especially when trying to resist the conventions of the institution. Right. And so creating that opportunity for vulnerability, um, allows us to, Um, reassess the kind of voices that we bring to our compositions and the kinds of voices, um, or allows us the opportunity to reassess the kinds of voices um, that we validate in in academic spaces. Um, And so to be honest, I haven't ever really had um, a student who was so, I have never had a student openly um, be like, you are asking me to div- to divulge too much, um, and I you know I build in a lot of both face to face group um, whole class and anonymous feedback loops. So I'm always trying to give my students a lot of oppor- t- opportunities to speak back to me, um, you know. And um, anyway, so I've never had a student come and be like, you know, you are asking too much of me. And I've also never had a student who shares so much that I regret assigning the assignment.
1: Yeah, I have had a student say that either, and I also try to have like a you know an aside whenever I assign like a personal essay or something like that personal narrative or whatever that you know um, I will be reading this. at least one of your peers is going to be reading this because mm-hmm. we do peer review like. I don't want you to write anything that you don't want other people to read, and I'm not asking for, like, details that you don't want to give. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. I guess, like, I remember about that conversation wasn't so much that we're we're asking them to do this work, maybe, but more that, like, what do you do when you get an essay that is deeply personal Mm -hmm. and maybe raises, like, flags for you, like, because it's a traumatic thing. Like, like what is your, like, it's hard to know how to respond to that kind of thing because we're not trained for it.
0: Like and I don't, I (laughs) I don't
1: know that it comes up that often, but it it clearly must come up because it was a whole like conversation that we were having in training, Um, and I guess for whatever reason, reading this piece made me think of that. Like, I I guess I I do feel like as an instructor, and I know you do this, Mm -hmm. like constantly, like I like to push at and sort of interrogate what I think my own role is in reading this writing that can be, like you said, vulnerable. And it's like we want to make space for students to be vulnerable without, like, requiring it, I guess. As,
0: You've asked me, I feel like, a lot of questions. I'm but sorry. I, no, it's okay. I feel like I had. I was like, oh, I want to say this. And now, I'm like, I don't really remember. Um, but, I mean, I think that I, um, wait, no, there was, like, what were you originally asking me? <laughs> Oh, no, I wish I could go back in. <laughs> no, I just you were like it's not really about like. Oh, not so much about them saying, "Hey, I
1: feel like you're asking too much of yeah. me." Yeah, but you know, what if you you get even giving all your beginning. Oh, that at the triggers beginning. for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay,
0: yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think again, um, like that. So yeah, we're not therapists, but I do think that with any anytime you're teaching anything I feel like you have to that it's you have to I don't know be willing to engage with some Mm self-awareness um right and so also to not approach teaching as an isolated experience so if there was a piece um that which I've never had before that is so that is so like closely related or or um Asking me to engage with my own traumatic experiences, um, then like I would prioritize my my body and my sanity and my health yeah. and well being over the work, right? But that doesn't. But in I would do try to do so. I think in a way um, that doesn't ask the student to necessarily limit themselves, right? And so um, thinking about other outlets. Um, you know other there are I am not the only listener I think is what I 'm trying to say yeah. if that happens yeah. um, and so there are other people who can listen, like I would maybe ask someone like you to step in mm-hmm. right, or I would say, "Okay, here are some things that are happening for me, and that's also like another thing is that I feel like in that situation, I would be pretty open with a student that about why and about my boundaries, and that 's a practice that I try to carry out in my classes. Like you know, when I feel like something is off or wrong, I'm just like, "Hey, what the fuck is happening? This is what I'm feeling. What are you feeling?" Um, your husband's texting me. It's, um, it's okay. Um, so yeah, so in that in that moment, I would reach out to my network of listeners and and figure out how um, how to listen in a way that protects me, but then also allows the student to speak yeah I don't know if that it makes sense or is a good answer but
1: it is <sighs> I just yeah I guess when I was reading this piece I was mm-hmm. just thinking that we all do some kind of yeah listening in our lives and it's worth thinking about
0: yeah teaching is care yeah. well yes sorry you said in our lives yeah sorry but, but yeah but I'm talking about ahead. teaching yeah.
1: right but um yeah. even if we're not teaching right now know, like yeah. You know, um, there are so many relationships where um, we in the position of listener can harm if we're not careful, you know what I mean? Right. Um, but maybe can help as well, you know what I mean? So I like I don't yeah. know, I just wanted to bring up one to sort of
0: no. and press I think, at it a
1: little bit, I guess.
0: And I think that this is why I value openness so much in my teaching practices, like I'm never... And why it's so valuable to figure out why the fuck you make the choices that you do, <laughs> um, you know, for teaching. Because, like, from the start, I'm telling my students, this is what matters to me, you know, vulnerability, um, respect of vulnerability, mm-hmm. um, you know, um, compassion, you know. Uh, so, basically, I'm always telling them, this is such a fucking stupid thing, I'm always telling them, be courageous in sharing your writing because it's always a vulnerable act, and be compassionate mm-hmm. listeners uh, yeah. or readers because yeah. because re- you should respect the vulnerability of mm-hmm. each other, right? So just right from the fucking get go, um, and I'm always I'm always making you know my motivations clear mm-hmm. so that it's not I don't know so that my boundaries, um, I don't know are always communicated to the best of my ability I don't know, I'm just talking in circles uh sorry I don't know um anyway I um I also kind of wanted to touch on um oh yeah because we've been talking for a while anyway i thought that this piece was so interesting and i really wanted to um talk about how it it's kind of like everything that i've been talking about in biography so it's like the opening of this piece i had really like um like A bodily reaction. yeah i had very visceral <laughs> i like the word visceral <laughs> i have very vis- visceral reactions to um just because I hate everyone in every other discipline. No, that's not true. But I just, it's like over an autobiographical, right? It's a life narrative. And then specifically an autobiographical writing, we're like, truth doesn't exist. What? Like, you know, like, it's like memories fucking complicated, you know? Like, and so it's really interesting to me because I think that this piece is getting at a lot of the ways that we're talking about the complications of ethics in relation to the fields um, and our me- the the methodology is embedded in those fields, right? Because she's she's talking about like how she views things as a psychoanalyst and then also how that contends with historians. Um, and then also I'm seeing a lot of like, and not that I know anything about this, but it's just from like absorbing what I can absorb from Craig, um, about the practices surrounding like oral history. Right. Where like with oral history and maybe Abe can speak more to he's, he's so fucking smart and I'm not, but, um, and he's in that class too. But like, um, you know, oral history being more about just letting the teller tell mm-hmm. and you're just there to, you're not there to influence the story. Whereas like, um, you know, historians are, are wanting to eliminate kind of that, um, you know, you saw on the piece where they're like, yeah. what is the truth? Yeah. And not that all of this are, and these are super reductive statements. So not that everyone in history is thinking about history in these ways, right? Um, but just that like, um, but there is a they're work. It feels like they're working towards a historical record mm-hmm. that is objective. So they're trying to eliminate. I think that that kind of subjectivity yeah. um, wherever they can. And then um, the psychoanalysts who are very frequently like you know everything has meaning, and we're also very concerned with like origins and then also like the connection of like why you know I don't know anyway. Um, and then also there's this kind of like. At some points, it, it's getting at kind of Craig is talking a lot about this journalistic, these journalistic motivations, where it's like your your ethical responsibility is to the story itself and not to the people embedded in or affected by or affected by, or at least not as much. The story matters more mm-hmm. than they do, um, which
1: is in a way kind of that same. I want the uh, facts. yeah Yes, as the historian. Yeah.
0: You know. Yes. Um, and that's why that's why and I don't know why this has become such a metaphor for my life But I'm like autobiographical I you guys <laughs> I'm like you. because it you know, it talks about the historical quote-unquote real Um the uh, Sorry, so I'm trying to think about how I explain it to my students, right? So you have the historical real so that would be like if there is this objective record like you know Brittany walked into the office and then there's the um, you know the narrator or the narrated and the narrating um so it's you writing about you writing and walking into the office right and so it's just like basically that there are so many that the self is fractured (laughs) that like and and so none of these pieces of self and then there's also like the ideological eye right so then that's a bunch of fucking shit that we may uh, we may be able to see, but also will not be able to yeah. see, right? Yeah. Um, and so, and and that happens every time you drop "I," like, or you know. And so, it's just that um, that there are so many selves, and to say that one of them is more true than another yeah. frustrates
1: me. I really liked that portion where the Auschwitz survivor. Mm-hmm. Was talking about the attempted. Um, I can't remember the word they used for it. The temp, you know the coup or the yeah.
0: overthrow. The yeah, yeah uh-huh.
1: I, I kept wanting to say coup. Sorry, yeah. Like, it's not. Right? It's a rebellion. She, rebellion a revolution. Yeah. Um. And how she kept saying that the four towers or whatever blew mm-hmm. up, and how the historians were arguing, but that's not true. You know. Yeah. De- uh, we know from all these other you know various things that only one of them blew. And I just really, I loved how the the author in this article was like, but her version still got at the truth of the matter because Mm -hmm. this was this unimaginable, in this context, unimaginable thing happening. Yeah. And, you know, for her to to get at the truth in the way that she was getting at it with saying everything blew up was this way of like breaking the frame of Mm -hmm. what we even thought was possible there. So it's like, yeah I like that because mm-hmm. for me that's storytelling too yeah. I know you not, know yeah. keep t- being you know mm-hmm. storytelling is not about like a f- you know that one versus four right towers blowing up mm-hmm. it's about the break the, the way that's framed and how you are breaking that frame and how you're communicating the weight of an event do you know what I mean yeah, that's not really helpful, I just want no, to say No, I mean,
0: I, th- no, I think that that's also what, you know, if I'm trying to think about what do I appreciate of this piece and not... So my resistance to this piece is that I'm always, like, critical of of psychoanalysts inserting themselves into someone's story. Which is very funny. Yes. <laughs> and so then I'm like, oh, I don't trust you. Uh, but I... Um, Oh, shit. See, why can't I remember the sentences that I'm trying to say as I'm saying them? Um, I don't know where I was going with that. But, um, uh, yeah, well, fuck me. Cool. Cool, 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 cool. damn. I think it was,
1: but that might have been the only part I liked.
0: <laughs> no, sorry, yeah. Okay, so I was trying to think about... Okay, yeah, sorry. Now I'm back at it. Okay, I was trying to think about stuff I like. And I like when, um, you know, they're recognizing that it's it's not just... So like the effect on the historical record is not the only effect that has value. Mm. Yeah. Right? And so it's like like the ways in which that trauma or the witnessing of that event reshaped that person has value, right, and so, like, if that felt, like, to them, that that's what, you know, um, right, and so I also think that that's kind of what we're getting at in some of these other pieces, maybe we're talking about the values of, like, emotions, for example, and, and the kinds of, um, of bodies that trauma creates and affects, or shapes, maybe, um, yeah, so I don't know, that, you I, there was a lot that I connected to and reacted with. Also, I was, like, I'm also taking a class on revolution, which is interesting. Oh. And so I'm just, like, you know, my teacher is from the history department for that. It's cross-listed as a women's studies, but I don't know that she would characterize. Like, that's what we're talking about a lot is, like, if a revolution, quote-unquote, fails, like, is it – did it fail? Like, what is it uh, – what, what is a failed revol- – like, yeah. or rebellion, you know? Um and how is that still valuable? None of that matters. That's just me like thinking about um uptake and how knowledge is created for myself um so anyway, um yeah, sorry, we've kind of been droning on. We've been talking yeah. about a lot, but those are um those are our thoughts you know for for this week mm-hmm. um, and we're still tired and you know, you probably are too.
1: I am. There's a lot. Um, my students were talking about this today. They felt like a little overwhelmed by all of the stuff mm-hmm. coming, and I was like, "Well, it is. We're about halfway." You know, yeah.
0: almost. This is why I should look ahead in their reading schedule because I'm like, "Can we talk about how digital spaces affect real bodies?" Mm. Yeah. And maybe JG has that in there, but I, you know, I haven't looked. <laughs> <laughs> on that note okay um okay yeah all right well um thanks for listening to us jg and um uh, one other person whoever that person is bye